This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where Griffin and I are looking to move on from the Seahawks' disappointing week six with a week seven preview. We are joined by a brilliant guest to look ahead to that Arizona Cardinals game, a writer for Revenge of Birds SB Nation site, a podcast host for Redbird Reboot, Blake Allen Murphy. Blake, thank you so much for doing this. How's it going? Doing well. Cardinals fans, as of today, Kyler Murray and Buda Baker have been activated, so there's a lot of hope that the team will get in terms of their best two players back. Otherwise, it's just been a lovely 98 degrees in the Arizona desert in October. So we're all looking forward to kind of that sunny and 75 of the winter that's coming around because it's been a hot summer this year. Yeah, 70, 75 is a Seattle summer. So it's just two entirely different worlds. Yeah, you um, guys get rain and we're like, what is that stuff that's falling from the sky that looks kind of like my sprinkler system? It's very, very different. <laughs> Yeah, Griff and I are united by by rain, basically, and and the fact that when uh, when I was in Arizona, I, I flew into Phoenix one time, and I got off the plane really tired and jet lagged, and it was like four p.m. and you're like, okay, and it was just humid and like ninety something or forty five something in English terms, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, nice place, but. <laughs> lovely, lovely I'm sure. Person. I'm sure you get used to it, though, right? I'm sure it just kind of becomes your your normal. Oh yeah, we, we just go basically from air conditioning to air conditioning. Almost everyone yeah. has a pool in their backyard, but again, yeah. like we say, if it's 
eight months out of the year, it's like heaven on earth. The four months of the year just lets you know, hey, there's a, there could be a hell on earth as well. That's the alternative. Yeah. And so we'll usually put up with that uh, because we've got a beautiful air-conditioned stadium now for the Cardinals. Long, long gone are those days of people sitting their butts on these metal bleachers in August oh. having to... Watch Cardinals get blown out by uh, another NFC East team yet again. It was, it was just way back before uh, before I started uh, following yeah. up with and covering the team. Yeah, I can't imagine the, those Sunday games. That must be terrible. But uh, yeah, um, modern technology. So with with, you... with billionaire backing too it helps a little bit. Yeah. Go billionaires, Blake. You mentioned the um, the massive news uh, regarding Buddha Baker and Kyler Murray, but before that. Uh, I mean, we've got to talk about that, but what's your impression? We always like to ask uh, guys from afar. Sometimes being removed from a situation can give you a much better take, and obviously you're far smarter than both of us, but what's your impression of the Seahawks from afar? Oh, see, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it at least for that. I just do a lot of stuff on this side. I like to use a lot of kind of combining all of what people's great work is and try to take a lot of that in and come from a Cardinals more perspective on it. But if I had to be honest, looking at the NFC West as a whole, if like you're looking at like whoever the fourth Jonas brother, I would say like the Beatles, like the Cardinals, they've been Ringo Starr essentially. Like you can talk about for years, you have the Paul McCartney's got to be like the Niners, you know, for a while. The Seahawks with Russ and Pete and that Legion of Boom were they were the John Lennon. Now some for a little while maybe the Rams were John Lennon had two Super Bowl appearances with Sean McVay. Now it's like all right, we're Rams have kind of fallen into that George Harrison category. We're like all right, they're good, but they're not like you know the pizzazz that we've seen. It feels like the Seahawks are kind of in that spot where they're a good playoff team. They don't have the same star quality, but they're still going to probably be a double-digit wins team year in and year out just because of how well they're able to keep to the mentality, draft and develop. But it does feel like that for one reason or another, they're not able to kind of get over that hump, whether that's talent or whether that's kind of what we would see a lot of times with Cardinals fans would complain about, kind of playing to that level of competition. You would feel almost like the Seahawks go into a game that they should blow out the competition and then they'll get away with like Russ driving down the field or Geno being able to like have a big run that he hands off to Kenneth Walker and they get away with like a field goal or four points. It's like this, this shouldn't be happening. I think a lot of that's the NFL, but that is ultimately, I think, from a Cardinals fan perspective, you feel like the Seahawks are one of those teams that may not get to the Super Bowl this year, but you feel like that this is probably a playoff team. And as a result, that's going to make this a difficult game for the Arizona Cardinals, especially as their franchise is kind of going through a reboot and they're having to look up now at the other teams in the NFC West, including the Rams, who they lost to. And it wasn't all that close uh, last week. Uh especially since when you consider that the team has now fallen to one and five, it's just not a good season for them right now. Absolutely. So what, with that said, it did look like Caleb Williams sweet stakes. And I saw you at Blake Murphy seven on Twitter, engaging with that content, which understandable in, in my, if the situations were flipped, I'd be really looking into the quarterbacks. However, there's some hope for the franchise as you are teased with, Kyler Murray designated to return from the physically unable to perform list and practicing today via his own Twitter. And then also Buddha Baker, the star safety returning of injured reserve from his hamstring injury. Blake, is this now like massive hope for the, the franchise? Is it like, we're not going to watch a, a one and five team try and, you know, be scrappy and then lose. Um, or is there hope now? 
Yeah, I think a lot of fans entered the season feeling very hopeless. It's part of why the Caleb Williams talk, when you turn on the radio and all people are talking about is Cardinals could be picking one and two. Are they just going to be tanking for the season? Is the quarterback even going to play this year? And we've even still seen people. There's someone today we're reading a comment who said, all right, this is perfect. Cardinals are activating Kyler and Buddha just to trade them. They're going to be like selling them to the highest bidder. And so you're kind of in this weird funk of this team is trying to learn how to be able to become a truly sustainable winning culture. That's part of what uh, Giamani Austin Fort and head coach Jonathan Gannon have kind of brought in with them with this new fresh look, not having um, Steve Kime, who'd been with the Cardinals for 25 plus years. And then Cliff Kingsbury being the guy who everyone knew is, you know, he's the guy who had all these NFL type quarterbacks who comes in and he doesn't know anyone in the league. So the GM has to hire his defensive coordinator for him. Uh, shout out to Vance Joseph. Uh, and then you end up in a spot where you're kind of having to realize that the way the Cardinals had almost structured was you push all your eggs into a basket, have one big year, you kind of double down on that year, but then you never really are able to kind of lay that foundation, just kind of putting a house up and making it look nice. And then when it does end up tumbling a few years later, you wonder why did this happen? And I think that's one of the things that the Seahawks with the team that Pete and the team that John have been able to put together, you can at least see how that identity of being able to be a tough team, being able to have playmakers in the secondary and how some of that play action game works. There's an identity there. And that's part of where I think the Cardinals right now, they've been searching for that identity for, for a long time. And you can at least see through the first six games, they've been competitive, just not competitive enough to be able to actually win most of these games, say for one. So, Blake, what do you think the Cardinals should do at quarterback? Should they try to make Kyler Murray work, see, like, let this year be the test run for the long-term future, or should they look at uh, Caleb Williams or maybe Drake May in the draft? Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to, are you even going to be able to have the opportunity to move on to one of those quarterbacks? Because in the NFL, there's a much bigger need for quarterbacks than there actually is. The quantity is much, uh, uh, the supply is much, much less than what the demand is. Um, Even we saw this last year, the Cardinals were picking number three overall. And I can tell you, like, they were looking very much at, hey, if CJ Stroud ends up falling to our pick, we're going to trade back because some other team is going to be moving up. The Houston Texans end up actually being the team that moved up with the Cardinals to get Will Anderson after taking the quarterback, despite a whole offseason of chatter about, you know, Bryce Young, all these other tests and just Mm -hmm. everything else that happened there. With Arizona, it really comes down to being able to evaluate not just what your quarterback is doing now, but also being able to see how he fits in this system. Well, under Cliff Kingsbury, one of the complaints we always had was he had an identity of spreading the ball out, getting it to different players, trying to spread defenses out so they could run the ball up against a lighter box, give teams having to look after a mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray. And then he would use that to get a matchup to then hit teams deep over the top with that deep ball that he had. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And in 2022, when you end up seeing multiple injuries, a DeAndre Hopkins suspension, half of your offensive line is gone. The offense just ground to a halt. And teams also were content to let the middle of the field go unguarded. Um, Part of what I know Seahawks fans, uh, Russell Wilson was kind of a comp for Kyler Murray. You can see in a lot of just their tendencies that they just wouldn't throw as much over the middle, being, you know, shorter, 5'9", 5'10", quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They would end up seeing some limitations. And that's, I think, the biggest question for a lot of Cardinals fans is, will you see this new offense that's been kind of using a lot more bootlegs, more play action? Is this going to be like a good look at Kyler Murray where things are a bit easier for him as far as the offense? Or are we going to be talking about Cardinals ended up finishing the season with three wins? Kyler just looked like he was not sure of what was happening with the offense. Uh, you want to make sure always that your quarterback in the NFL, you want to see sustainability because as we've seen sure. with Russ, can very much go from, you know, being a guy who's like, this is a Pro Bowl quarterback to, wow, but I didn't know that Carson Wentz was hiding in your body all along there in like an instant. It can happen, yeah. it feels like. Yeah. So for my take, I think just because I realized I didn't answer your question, I think that unless you're picking in the top two picks, and I think then if you're going to say you'd rather pay a quarterback $40 million a year or can get the same production out of a guy for 40 million for like three to five years. Usually you'll take that for the most part. I think that the hardest thing though is if you've got a quarterback, you're probably not going to be in that conversation. The Cardinals have looked well coached enough through the first few weeks that they've already gotten one more win than most people projected them for. And it doesn't feel like that choice will be there. So it feels like it's going to answer itself. And I know a lot of Cardinals fans want to split the middle, say, let's not pick a quarterback. Let's just get just high enough for Marvin Harrison Jr. because we really want to get that top player. But then let's not like have that Kyler Murray argument. That'll be good. And uh, we'll see where it goes the rest of the yeah, season because yeah. it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah, you're just going to have to play the, the hand that you're dealt, really. So... That's all the hand that you you managed to lose towards. But yeah, looks like as forever, there's going to be a bit of a a tank off, even if it's not the Cardinals as one of those multiple teams at the top of the the order. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, on the quarterback situation, given we're on the topic, how has Josh Dobbs gone um, as the starter? I know that move was made super late. And then there was kind of a competitive advantage thing going on of, is he the starter, is he not? Which was mildly amusing. I mean, hey, at least they're competing. Um, we'll talk about Jonathan Gannon in a second. But is there a future with Dobbs or is the, has he gone as far as he can go? Yeah, I think we've seen some of the regression over the past few weeks, which makes some sense as the Cardinals are playing tougher defenses. And the tape has gotten a little bit more out on Arizona. Uh, We've been able to now see that there was some athleticism that Dobbs had that a lot of teams probably hadn't seen before. Thinking of the Dallas Cowboys, the very first offensive snap of the game, they bait Micah Parsons to run upfield thinking he's going to get the tackle, and Dobbs just keeps the ball on his own read, runs around the left end for 44 yards, and it was like the Cardinals just had that confidence, and Dallas had no idea like what had happened. You could tell that was a 
job that the coaching staff did a great job of being able to game plan or put them in that situation. And you've been able to at least see when he can avoid turning the ball over, they've been able to at least have some decent plays, but he's having to do a lot more because of injuries and because of teams adjusting. Now, uh, James Connor is on IR, so he's out for a few weeks and they've had issues on the defensive side without both of their starting safeties where he's having to play catch up ball. It's not having to necessarily go out there with a decent lead and try to run the ball in a balanced offense, but they're getting down by one to two scores in the second half. And you can kind of see that he's just not able to carry teams back into it. Um, and accuracy has been, I think the other concern that we've seen too, like within all of the good play we saw for the first few weeks, which showed like there may be something to this OC uh, Dobbs would still have times when he would seemingly target Zach Ertz and Ertz is coming off an ACL as well. It was like whatever the worst thing that could happen when targeting Zach Ertz would just seem to go wrong. It was like something strange, like he would overthrow Ertz and be an interception. Last week, it bounced through backwards behind, I believe, the tight end. Uh, another time, they missed essentially a wide open Zach Ertz by overthrowing him. There's been just enough, at least, of some of those misfires that kind of show you that his ceiling is probably a guy who can be a solid backup quarterback, maybe even a top 30 quarterback, but nowhere near what you need in the NFL, which these days has got to be like a top 12 to 14 quarterback, at least, if not higher. Right. Yeah, and I know Dobbs, uh, and the other thing with Dobbs I always find fun is that he majored in uh, aerospace engineering, which probably gets mentioned all the damn time. On, it's the new doesn't... Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. It's the new Antonio Gates played basketball. It's like, hey, hey, did you know this guy went to NASA? You're like, yep, yep, yeah. we know. you've. That's all you've talked about by now. <laughs> so... In terms of, you know, there's there's some hope. Uh, I, I imagine the organization has some hope with Ozenfort coming in as the general manager, even if there are, you know, details about uh, publishing The Athletic about a troubling workplace coach uh, under I know, Michael Bidwell still. So you kind of got rid of one aspect, but it's still a bit in the background. But like in terms of the head coaching hire, Jonathan Gannon taking over as head coach, I know that was massively kind of mocked and memed and he's like the latest coach to have a funny press conference or really it was the funny laser beams moment when he was meeting Kyler Murray for the first time on the team's official uh, video and since there's been more videos released which have you know he looks like his own unique guy which if you're authentic fine what is your initial impression of Gannon or what was your initial impression of Gannon and how you know has that changed versus now or yeah, no, the initial impression, I think, at least when we found out that he was going to be the next head coach and we were like, oh, thank goodness, it's not going to be a Mike Kafka and didn't know what was going to be going on with Lou and Arumo. He was just you recognize there was some veteran experience, but he was bringing in a decent staff with him, which included mm -hmm. a wide receivers coach from the Browns. He also was able to take on um, the linebackers coach from Philly to be his defensive coordinator. You're like, these are actually like guys who've been around. They're young up and comers. Uh, it's not like it's putting together a veteran staff. And that told me that there's people who are going to follow. So that means that if you've got people who you're following, you're able to tie into that at least says something about your ability to be a leader. Uh, that was something that we just were not able to see, unfortunately, with, um, um, the last few hires that we had with people under Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, um, they were kind of having to operate on their own because of whether it was lack of connections or people just glancing at Arizona saying, yeah, I, I don't really want a part of this. And the fact that we're, you know, I think a lot of the Gannon stuff that also was interesting was if the Cardinals hiring process had been timed after the Niners game, 
versus after the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. There's probably a little different perception that goes on with that just for the outcome of some of those games. But sure. you did mention a great point. Like, he's a bit of a goober. Like, there's some little weird quirkiness that he has as far as with the Rondé Moore shots that, ooh, ooh, and there's, like, occasionally little kind of quirks that will pop up. Uh, I know, like, talking about who took the bus this morning, a lot of people went on and memed about that for the most part, which I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, gosh, like, the players are in a hotel or they can drive in from home for training camp. So, yeah, some players did take the bus from the hotel over here. <laughs> like, literally, it wasn't like it was a metaphor, but in the context, it was like, yeah, you know what? That is still kind of a weird thing to talk about, having that fire in your gut. And I think it just says that there's a level, ultimately, that we're looking at now of there's more of a calm or more of a feeling like this is a coaching staff that may actually be able to get it right. Um, just because they're doing a lot of this back to basics, a lot of teaching during training camp. And it feels almost like it's been more of a back to normal as far as what an NFL franchise's operation should be versus, mm -hmm. all right, we're going to hire away the Texas tech coordinator over here after we fired our offensive coordinator after seven games. And then this season, we're going to go out there after the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And we're going to, it's like, it was just story after story after story that it would feel like of the team being relevant for the wrong reasons. And a lot of the, I guess you could say, anti-hype entered for this season expected Arizona to be bad. And most people have looked at the tape, looked at the team, and went, yeah, they're not talented. They're putting up an effort each game, and they'll usually come out in the first half and give you a strong punch. They've gone into the half with the lead, and I believe it's three out of five games so far this year. And um, they come out of that, at least, where they end up losing the game in the end because they're not there yet. But you at least feel like that they've been able to pour that concrete for a foundation. I think Jonathan Gannon and the staff he's assembled has been a big part of that. Yeah, the, the impression I get from watching them is that despite, you know, the record, despite like the, the preseason expectations and everything and all the memeing with Gannon, there, there's a modicum of competence on the team. And that d definitely stems from coaching, I would think. Um, you know, with, you know, the roster not being there, as you mentioned, the quarterback situation being in disarray. Uh, but like they have fight in them there. There's a degree of organization that you can see in their play and everything. So, um, you know, as as encouraging as a one in five record could be, this probably is up there, I think, for the Cardinals. So um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of in on Ga on Gannon in the sense that, you know, like he's he's got a real shot here. Um, at least that's how I as an outsider uh, view the Cardinals situation. So. Yeah, like yeah, looks like I believe oh, go for it. I was gonna say they're 11th in sacks this year, and their best pass rusher is a special teams guy named Dennis Gardeck. And it's like, who, has anyone heard of this he's guy? He's popping. I've, I've seen it's him. like, yeah, he's going off at least. He's got that big long hair, and you're like, okay, and then they got like a, they just cut one of their third round picks at least just the <laughs> other day from it was just a year ago. The team at least has looked adequate enough on defense. They're still the second worst defense in the league, but they probably have by far the worst personnel in the league when it comes to actual talent. And then you took Buda Baker off of the team as well. So you're talking about them having to kind of putting forth a lot of this, I guess you'd say scrappiness that in the end, I think will turn into wins. We're, we're kind of viewing it similar to the Dan Campbell Lions is probably your you best go. case scenario of you come in, you got nothing, and you're hoping in a couple of years that you've built this strong culture that's able to go out there and win games, even if you're not maybe the most talented team. Absolutely. Yeah. Is Has the issue been in the second half? Like, it seems like I'd echo Griff's sentiment that they're coaching the butts off effectively. But is the issue in the second half, they get out adjusted, or is it, you know, they're just not quite that good, and ultimately teams 
they're like impressed by the game plan, impressed by the effort, but eventually they kind of win out. And like in the fourth quarter in particular, I know that things tend to slide, don't they? Yeah, and that's something I think that we saw from very big uh, early on in the year, where you saw the Cardinals against the Commanders, and this, for the record, was like last week against the Rams too. They would play almost a perfect first quarter and almost a perfect second quarter, and they go into the half and the lead by three to four points. And so you're like, we just gave you like the best possible punch we can give, and you just instantly in the second half are able to go out and take the lead with a touchdown. A lot of it comes down to that they just don't have the athletes or talent on the field, and a lot of teams have been able just to take advantage of that in the second half. Um, Jamar Chase was able to go off multiple times as Arizona was down a couple of safeties in that game, Mm -hmm. and they were able to scheme up positions where the Cardinals had to essentially leave him one-on-one at times where he would eventually get safety help over the top. It just would be after, um, after a big play. And last week with the Rams, Cardinals did a fantastic job of bottling up the Rams for almost the entire first half. They had a big play to Cooper cup that led the Rams to a field goal. You go to the second half and they run the ball like nine times straight up. They got you like, Oh, look, there's their starting defensive tackle. So let me clear like Jonathan Ledbetter. He's a great player to have for the Seahawks as a backup. Like he's getting pushed out of the way. You've got another depth guy that probably is going to be a backup on most teams. Now the Cardinals, they're, backups are now like practice squad guys and other teams like this is a roster that is just not good right now it's part of why they've had to rebuild with so many draft picks so they're just moving guys out of their lane with these really good guards and able to run the ball down arizona's throat and then you're seeing guys just not able to cover coupon cooper cup one-on-one and on the offensive side just jobs like we talked about he just has not been able to lift the team up to be able to get back in the fight um and they've, as a result, turned it over more often than not and kind of added insults to injury. So if you're looking for a simple explanation, it's that other teams have been able to encounter Arizona's game plan, realize we've got the better athletes and the better talent. Let's use that. And that's really how they've been able to thrive, starting going all the way back to that Giants game, which Arizona was running the Giants out of the building. And in the second half, Daniel Jones looked like the second coming of Pat Mahomes, Joe Montana combined or something like that against their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms final point on the offense, what is like a strength to look out for? In, like, how are they going to, in your view, beat Seattle or, or get yards on Seattle's defense? Yeah, the best way they can probably do that, um, they haven't been able to involve Michael Wilson the past uh, two weeks. He went off for about 70 yards and two touchdowns. He was getting a lot of outside coverage, and he hasn't done as well this year against man coverage. He's been more able to find the space versus zone. It's actually been Hollywood Brown who's been able to find either open spots versus zone or um, using his speed to be able to get um, some of these one-on-one matchups. I think that if you look at the tape last week, there was four or five times that Hollywood actually had a step on the guy and should have had a huge play. I believe that there was actually a stat that was sent out that he had 190 air yards, ended up with like 40 total just because <laughs> of the ball being missed. So if Arizona is going to actually be able to beat Seattle, it's going to be because they're able to find a stable run game using their quarterback to kind of move the defense around a little bit. And then just being able to hit on some of those big plays, that's going to be the biggest way that they'll have to move the ball. Um, Just because this is a team that, you know, right now is not in a place where there's one specific guy you have to look out for. They're just going to try to involve people as much as they can. But Hollywood's that big threat as far as as far as all things are considered. 
So in terms of uh, the defense, is it uh, a similar kind of looking thing to what was going on uh, with the Eagles when, when Gannon was there? Uh, obviously with slightly different players, but... Yeah, the defense is interesting. We thought they were going to move to more of a 4-3, but with the personnel they had, they kind of kept a 3-4. They've put Kaiser White as more of their Mike linebacker with kind of up and down effects. Like you feel like he'd be better as more of the playmaking will linebacker. They just haven't really had that type of a player, um, especially since they traded away Isaiah Simmons, who uh, was essentially that weird, not really a safety, not really a linebacker. And so he'd get roasted in the past game and in the run game. Um, they have been still using a lot of that cover two look for the most part that a lot of teams have adapted, like that Vic Fangio style defense. But there's been some wild cards that they've thrown in there. Um, last week, there was a second time that we got to see where uh, the defensive coordinator, Nick Rallis, who he's 30. So like anytime you look at a guy and like, I'm 31, you're younger than me and you're an NFL defensive coordinator, I start to feel like, like I haven't done enough in my life. Like, you know, my parents <laughs> proud of me and you know, all of that. The he came up with an interesting area of kind of putting multiple linebackers on the field, no defensive linemen for a pass rush, get the best pass rushers on the field. And mm -hmm. one particular one, you had one defensive lineman, all the other guys were kind of standing up and moving around. And the clock ran out. Matthew Stafford called timeout on a critical third down because he was trying to figure out what was he looking at. So yeah. this is a place where you can kind of see where the coaching staff has that competence to get there. The issue has just ultimately been that when it comes to on the field and the players that they have, they're kind of doing the best with what they've been given. Um, yeah. I'll be curious if they're to see what it looks like when they're not just having to adopt this three, four system, if they'll keep it, but they've also been having to, cover a lot for the fact that they're starting nickel corner was their safety jalen thompson and their starting safety in buddha baker both those guys have been out so they've been having to kind of like go round robin with a fourth round pick and a rookie seventh uh rookie sixth round pick i should say in keytrail clark it's like normally if you're starting a rookie sixth round pick your team is probably not doing all that well defensively and when you look at the numbers they're not doing all that well defensively uh, i think they're basically a team that will rely on turnovers and if they get them then your hope is that they can at least kick the field goal because that's really the biggest chance that they have and that's what the dallas cowboys game came down to is the offense made a big play in the fourth quarter and the defense was able to get an interception in the red zone to essentially seal that win Outside of that, they've started going from being a competitive team to one where the game is pretty much over by the time the fourth quarter begins. Yeah. And, and how about Zayvon Collins? One, is he primarily an edge? Is he only an edge? Because I know in college, he kind of played off ball and on, on the edge. And then secondly, how has his play looked? Okay. It's interesting because uh, I think that was a huge method of discussion. We even had a discussion this week about if his best fit still is that inside linebacker edge. And I think what we've seen is that he's – not having the set of pass rush moves where you're ever going to have him as a main pass rusher. And certainly this year, he's only got two and a half uh, sacks on the season. He has the one interception against the commanders where he did drop back into coverage from off the edge. And I think that's probably his best role in the NFL. Um, he's been more of the strong side linebacker where you're talking about a guy lining up over a tight end. You don't normally have a pass rusher with that athleticism and coverage instincts that Collins has, which is really great. The downside of that, of course, is that when you're a team that's trying to get to the quarterback, a lot of times it's coverage sacks or he's got a bull rush move. And so you're having to kind of rely on other guys to actually get there to the passer. And he's 
seen a lot of teams that have been able to run where he's kind of been able to get pushed out of the way. We feel like right now, unless he can kind of develop a little bit more, you really feel like that that's kind of more of a role for him in the NFL that can keep him on a roster long term. But it's not necessarily a star role. It's like having a guy who can do some rushing and can kind of cover a tight end so you don't get burned. That's great, but it's not necessarily the guy that you go out and pay or maybe even add a fifth year option onto when you look at the draft picks this team has accumulated and Mm -hmm. having the opportunity to move on. So right now we've just been able to look at and say it's probably been the best move that they could make, but this is also a team that when they drafted him originally and were looking at him as inside linebacker because that's the Steve Kime way, of course. He probably thinks that I'm an inside linebacker if he (laughs) wanted to ever grade that sometime. And I'm like, I can't play football, Steve. So yeah, you can. that's just, oh, uh, no, no. I tell people I'm, a, I'm a, like, a, if you need a, what is it, one yard or something on fourth and one, I can get you two yards. If you need, you know, 10 yards and first and 10, I can maybe get you two yards. I don't know about that the second time, but that's about all of the athleticism that, that I was born with. There you go. That, um, I was just looking at that, that first half versus second half issue for the defense. It's remarkable. I mean, they're 30th in EPA per play overall defense, but in the first half, their 10th in EPA per play. So they're doing something right. It just like what we spoke about overall, it just kind of runs out of steam. Um, also that, that passing down look you described sounds interesting given Seattle's struggles on third down and then last week in the red zone. Um, finally then pass rush wise, is it just saving Collins? Cause Seattle, you know, all five of their offensive linemen on the practice report this week, uh, showed up with some, they were listed on the injury report. So given that was a concern for Seattle uh, in their previous loss, are the Cardinals going to cause issues? I know we we gave props to uh, Derek, didn't we? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, at least with Arizona, that's tough right now with their injury report is half of their secondary either didn't practice or was limited in practice. Uh, I think that there's a chance Buda Baker could go. Uh, but also their pass rush, while they've at least been able to get some sacks, a lot of it, like you said, has been in the first half of games. Their pass rush has not been able to get to the quarterback consistently in the second half of games and in those gotta-have-it type of situations. They just don't have a pass rusher like they used to in Chandler Jones who'd be able to get that big play. And that's allowed teams to kind of, whatever the Cardinals would seem to load up the box, then you could hit them over the top. If they tried to play coverage back, you could run it on them. They just were really a team that um, was kind of able to kind of cause a little bit of cuts to you as on the way through, but never is able to kind of put together that finishing blow. I think as far as for what to look for, the biggest thing I could see with this being a Cardinals game is Arizona is able to probably get off to a good start, maybe even have a lead by the end of the first half. And then Seattle's going to have a couple of play action plays that are able to move the ball. Tyler Lockett will, will probably have a big catch. I know he's been somewhat limited. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And then and there's probably going to be at least a big run at some point by someone like a Kenneth Walker because Cardinals have gotten pretty gashed on the ground the last few weeks, especially. Um, it's a place where in order for them to have to come out of there with a win with how the team is currently with Dobbs, they'd have to get a lot more out of Buda Baker and be able to actually play clean football. If they're able to do that, then maybe this is a much closer game heading into the fourth quarter. But at some point, you look at these corners and just say, gosh, Seattle's got all of this talent on the receiving core. At some point, someone's going to probably be able to make a play. And we saw that with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. We saw that with Cooper Cup. And expect we could see it again on Sunday against uh, Seattle. There you go. 
But we we will always be scared uh, from a Seattle perspective of the Cardinals with a backup quarterback, and rightly so. <laughs> in the chat, Colt McCoy, and then the other fella who I've completely eradicated from my memory because of how haunting that was. Um, who's the scrappy guy who? Drew Stanton? Yeah, Stanton's one of those oh, guys. Yeah. yeah, it was it was wild for so many years. It was like, all right, Cardinals <laughs> are going to go into Seattle, the place where every other team loses, and they would come out with a win for however <laughs> it would be. And Seattle would come to Arizona, and here you're watching their running back like put up another touchdown to go up by four scores. And you're like, what is going on with this home field advantage? It's like completely flipped from everywhere else in the league. Um, Cardinals are going into Seattle, and it's going to be interesting, I think, to see not just with – how it'll be with that environment for a lot of the young players, but are they able to actually take a look at some of these mistakes and issues in the second half? And do they have the bodies to be able to fix it? There you go. Well, Blake, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you can find Blake on Twitter at, at Blake Murphy and then the number seven. Anything else you'd like to plug other than Revenge of the Birds, where you're writing some great articles, and Red Bird Reboot, the podcast, where I, I liked uh, the vibe that the four four of you had uh, in that post-Rams uh, game. That was that was a cool vibe. I liked it. Yeah. It's fun to have some people who are, like, newer Cards fans than someone who's been around since, like, the Larry Wilson, like, you know, first time you ever had a free safety blitz type of a season. Where he's like, oh, I got to be at that game. You're like, all right, you got a lot more. Football knowledge in me. Um, I know we didn't get to the question you had had about the uh, about my bio at least, where I talked about with mac oh, and cheese and putting ketchup. We have on time for that. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. I didn't like, know if that just derailed it. <laughs> uh, it might, you know. I think that's one of the things that I, I have to at least say is like it was my grandmother's fault. She would make the blandest type of macaroni and cheese. My mom ended up picking up the habit. Unfortunately, taught it to us. And, you know, it's something that I at least say is everyone's got that weird weird type of food take but if you want to take a look at someone else who does the same thing uh google mac and cheese ketchup patrick mahomes you might be surprised at least if someone else has oh, okay. got the same type of taste well i mean it's it's tomato based condiment and pasta it's not as though the, those clash you know um, oh yeah at it's least noodles if you... it's cheese it's tomatoes it's basically like the <laughs> new jersey cousin of italian food or something exactly. like that like it's, it's not there but it's it's like there yeah I, I have a confession i i enjoy mac and cheese with um hp sauce which is uh, like a brown sauce condiment in in britain very tasty hp sauce can really liven it up if you're if you're feeling uh <laughs> it's like you want to break from your ketchup Oh, HP gosh. sauce. I'm googling that right now. Oh, HP so, sauce is great. Like it goes very well with like sausage and, and so vinegar and, and like tomato. That. that actually sounds kind of interesting. It's like a it's like a not that sweet barbecue sauce. I guess is the yeah. best way to describe like it. To an American A1 thing. steak yeah. sauce, a little bit of well, Worcestershire, however that's pronounced. There you go. Yeah. There's some good, it's a good stuff. I always say like, hey, everyone's going to have something weird they're going to put on their food at least. I said, this is probably like the least this weird thing that I could have done. That's that's the one. And I will own it gladly and proudly and even prouder at least to be like, hey, if Pat Mahomes is the one who's doing this, like maybe I should <laughs> loosen the old arm up, you know, see if I there can get on the State Farm commercials, something like that. <laughs> there you go. Well, Blake, thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of your evening. Thank you, Blake. Afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much.